Hello, thank you for joining me at uh, Christ Centered Identity. I wanted to share a message with you guys. It's part of my discipleship training. It's the foundations of our identity in Christ. The foundations of our identity in Christ. You know, we have we have many things that we we count as truth in our life. But the main thing as believers in Christ, we should count as our truth is that Jesus is our truth. And and I, I want to talk about this from the aspect of the biblical principles of what our identity is in and, and how we should see ourselves now that our, our identity is in Christ Jesus. So this is lesson one. Um, it's the creation with original identity. So what did God intend when he created human beings? And then after the fall of man, what did God do in order to restore back his image that was created from the beginning? Uh, you know, so we can, we can talk about Christianity from different perspectives, um, and, and, but I want to talk about it from the perspective of, of again, identity. I think that is, it is a foundational place that we should all come from as believers in Christ. Um, humanism is the outlook or s- system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Humanistic beliefs stress the potential value and goodness of human beings emphasizing common human needs and seek solely rational ways of solving human problems. See, us as believers, we have this supernatural gift called the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, that gives us supernatural abilities to think differently, that we can actually take our thoughts and our ways higher than what we do in a natural level. We don't see a problem and see our natural solutions. We see a problem and we go to a divine Father who has a divine Holy Spirit and, and that Jesus divinely entered in this earth as a man and then was lived on this earth as a man showing us connection with the father perfect connection and how to live so whenever jesus faced a problem he didn't fix it on his own he 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 went and got alone with the father or he in a moment was lit, being led by the holy spirit to sh- to demonstrate to us how to live a life of one that is yielded to the father and to the holy spirit and so jesus is our example and and living our life we don't we don't approach problems from a human perspective we approach our problems from a supernatural ability through the presence of god and so it's a, it's awesome i love walking with jesus because he always just gives you answers right in the moment you didn't expect it and then it just happens um i remember when i was a young boy and i was at camp a youth camp and i i lost my my bible and you know at youth camp you obviously need your bible and so as i was unpacking all my stuff i put it somewhere and i completely forgot where it was at and i was getting ready for chapel and i was running to to, to get out of the out of the, the cabin i was in to go to chapel and i couldn't find my bible and i was like holy spirit where's my bible and i just heard him saying whisper in my ear under your pillow and so i lifted up my pillow and guess what my Bible was right there. See, I faced that problem and I was all anxious trying to figure out how I could fix this on my own. But at that moment, I just stopped myself and I said, wait a minute, I'm going to ask the Lord. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to teach me, showed me, to give me wisdom beyond my own ability. And he just re- reminded me right then and there, my whole, my Bible was placed under my pillow. And so I was like, dang, Holy Spirit, you, you, you care about every little thing. And so, of course, I had my Bible the rest of that camping trip. It was an amazing trip. But I want to start with the foundations of our Christianity. Let's start in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And God said this, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so then, so, so they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, every over every livestock and wild animal, over all creatures that move along the ground. So, so God created mankind in His own image. 
in the image of God he created them, both male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. See, God created us to, to, to have dominion over his creation. We're his created uh, being, created in his image. We're the only thing created in his image on this planet. And we're created to be in God's image, but have dominion over what God created for us to have. So God's original design for us was to be fruitful and multiply his image across the earth. Through, through creating an atmosphere of us displaying the nature of God around us and, and people seeing God working in and through our lives and saying, I want that to be a part of my life. And so God has created, created, uh, given us a creative ability because we're in his image to be fruitful and multiply in the earth um, through the image of God. So that's, that's, that's uh, evangelism. That's, that's um, the great commission, going and making disciples. That's creating other believers. That's demonstrating God's power through a life lived, submitted, and yielded to the Holy Spirit. So what are the attributes of God? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience goodness kindness gentleness and self-control and, and, and it's 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 this thing that's that we produce through being connected to the holy spirit see our if we understand our image we understand our created value we understand where we come from and who we connect to we don't have to try to produce love joy peace patience kindness goodness goodness and gentleness and self-control we just simply connect to the holy spirit and as the holy spirit works in and through our lives it produces the fruit. When you look at an apple tree, the apple tree doesn't force out an apple. It doesn't force it out. That 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 branch or that that just simply stays connected to the tree, and at the end of that branch, an apple is produced. And so that's the purpose of God, is He wants to produce His fruits in our lives. So what do we? How do we stay connected? We stay connected through prayer, through singing songs of worship, through through reading our Word, through everything that the Holy Spirit. It gives us uh, an unctioning to do or, or a, a, um, a insight to, to step into, to be obedient to. We just stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Like it says in John 15 that, that Jesus said that, you know, if you're connected to me, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So we have to believe as, as believers in Christ Jesus that his truth is what sets us free. John 8, 31, 32, that his truth is what sets us free. And that, that truth is now our new reality, that reality of I'm connected to Jesus. I don't have to try to love. I'm connected to love. I don't have to try to be kind. I'm connected to the one who is kind. I don't have to try to have long suffering. I'm connected to the one who suffered the most. And he is in my body, living and through me, breathing through this life as I yield and submit my heart to him. So God wants us to simply just multiply his image through the earth, through, through being connected to him and showing and demonstrating what a life looks like yielded to Christ. So we can accomplish this by living in communion. Communion is co-union, meaning I'm connected to the one who is my source. I'm communicating to God. He's communicating to me. To me. And, and in this communication, what was lost in the garden is now restored or regained through Christ Jesus. So many of us have heard that, that Christ went to the cross because we're horrible sinners, but we, we can look at it like we're horrible sinners, or we can look at it like God valued us so much that he paid the highest price for the thing that he values the most, and that's you and I. 
He values you and I the most, so he was willing to pay the highest cost of sending his son Jesus Christ to the cross to die in, in, as um, as ransom or as payment for our sin. He took all of our sin, all the sin of the world, on Christ Jesus. I'll answer these questions, answer these questions, and be vulnerable. Some people have a hard time connecting their head to their heart. I, I, I'm asking you to dig deep and answer these sincerely in your heart. What does living in communion with God look like? What does living in communion with God look like? Now you have to answer that for yourself. Think about it. What does living in communion with God look like? Is it you doing your own thing without God? Is it you yielding your heart and your mind, your soul, your spirit all to God and saying, God, not my will, but your will? Is it you stepping out in faith but completely yielded to the Holy Spirit as He's leading you and guiding you and, and, and having you step out and do things that you never thought you can do? What is what is living in communion with God look like? When do you feel the most alive in your walk with Christ? When do you feel the most alive in your walk with Christ? Like what, what about your walk with Christ are you just come alive? Is it evangelism? Is it writing songs? Is it sharing your faith at work? Is it sharing your faith in the store? Is it, is it uh, just preaching out in the middle of a park or in, the, in a parking lot or on an airplane? Or is it, is it just the way you raise your kids and, and just giving them the tools they need to be the young men and women of God that they are that don't receive a junior high Holy Spirit or a junior Holy Spirit, but they get the real deal, the same power that you and I get, they get. What is it that makes you feel the most alive? Is it when you're doing art? Is it when you're creating? Is it when you're writing? What is it? Is it what is it? Was it in community? What is it when you make what makes you feel the most alive while you're walking with God in communion with Him? What is it that makes you feel the most alive? Go ahead and answer that question for yourself. See in Genesis uh, chapter two, verse two seven, it says, "The Lord formed man out of the out of the dust of the ground, and He breathed into the nostrils the breath of life." And man became a living being. See, God breathed his breath into Adam so that Adam can then have the breath of God inside of him as the image of as it being made in the image of God. The very breath that you breathe is the is the very life source of God on the inside of your lungs. And so when you we live a life as a believer, when we live yielded to the Holy Spirit, we actually live fully in the nature that God wants us to walk in. But when we live a life that's like incorporating Christ into our life or allowing certain aspects of Christianity or it's kind of a cultural thing that my whole family is Christian, so we, we all go to church and, and so we just accept church as as is is what it is. Like, what what are we trying to do in this, in this life? Are we trying to yield to God or are we trying to do what we want to do? Are, do, are our, our plans for our life, do they supersede the purposes of God in our life? Are we hiding ourselves in our work? Are we hiding ourselves in our family? Are we hiding ourselves in addiction? Are we hiding ourselves in culture? Are we hiding ourselves in, in whatever uh, movement we decide to get a part of? What is it that we're hiding ourselves in? See, we're called to hide ourselves in, the, in, in Christ Jesus. We're called to abide in Christ Jesus. So when God breathed his life into Adam's lungs and gave him that life. It's the same breath that we have. And see, when Jesus uh, went to the cross and he died on, on the cross, and he rose again three days later, he 
he came back to life. And as soon as he he says this, and uh, I'm gonna go just go to the the, the verse of the, the little passage here in John chapter 20 verses 21 through 23, Jesus repeated his, his greeting. This is after Jesus passed away on the cross and went to hell and got the keys of sin and death and came back to life and resurrected in in his in in the nature in which God uh, uh, in his complete divine nature and and now he's he's doing things he's kind of finishing up his work on the earth and as he as it says this it says as as uh jesus um was re- uh, responding to the disciples that were up in the upper in a, in a room that were scared out, out, and just hiding out right he 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 walked through the room and it says this jesus repeated his his greeting peace to you and he told them just as the father sent me I am now sending you. See, it's interesting to me that us as believers sometimes can pawn off evangelism to other people or people with the microphone or to the pastors or to the, the leadership team at the, at the church. But the reality is, is Jesus called us to multiply his nature. And, and it says this, as the Father sent me, I am now sending you. That's you. If your ears are hearing my words, God is sending you as, as a believer in Christ to represent Jesus Christ, that you're called to represent Jesus Christ wherever you go and whatever you are doing. And so it says this, so the, the, as a father sent me, I am now sending you. Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And it says, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins and, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you do not proclaim the forgiveness of sins, they will remain guilty. What is he saying? He's saying, because you're in my nature, because I breathe the Holy Spirit on you or in you, it says this, that, that he blew on them and they received the Holy Spirit. He says, go and preach the forgiveness of sins. See, sin was the issue that separated us from God. That had to be obliterated. It was obliterated through Jesus Christ on the cross saying, it is finished. When he said it's finished, he, he, took, he took his final breath and said, it's finished. Got the keys and resurrected the third day. And see, he, he took all of, all of our sin on him. And then he brought back the, the restoration of the breath of God through breathing on the disciples that were hiding in the room. Peace be to you, the Prince of Peace entered the room and breathed on them and, and, and said peace to them because they, they didn't know who this was coming in the room. Was it a spirit? What is this thing? And it, and it was Jesus saying, peace to you, the Prince of Peace. When he breathed on them, he gave them a life that they, they never thought they could ever have again. They never even knew they could have. They, they had an understanding what Christ was with them, what they were to walk in. But until the Holy Spirit entered them, they didn't know what was what was to come. And so it's, it is, I want to say this, it is actually more human to walk in the spirit than to walk in our sinful nature. Why could I say this statement and why do I think that's true? Because our original design was to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Our original design was to walk in the cool of the day like, like Adam and Eve, connected to the Father in intimacy through connection uh, with the Father, doing and, and, and saying exactly what the Father did, did ask them to do and ask them to say, just like Jesus, our example. See, Jesus didn't just die for our sins. He restored what was lost. He restored your value. He restored your hope. He restored your vision so that you can see that you're created for a higher purpose than what you see as a failure in your life. God is saying, I'm bringing my purpose and my destiny to live on and through you. See, we're actually lit, we're actually more alive when we walk in the spirit than when we walk in, in our sinful nature. 
And all that was lost in the garden has now been restored through Christ Jesus, through his breath that was breathed on us. And so I want to to encourage you today that as you understand the very foundations of who we are and what was lost in the garden, the identity that we now take on through the world and, and, and the cultures that we now incorporate into our lives and we call them our reality, but Jesus said this in, in John 8, 31, 32. I said earlier, if you believe in me, you believe in my word, you'll know my truth and my truth will set you free. See, in, in John 1, verse 14, it said, and the word became flesh. See, Jesus is the word. If you believe in me and you believe in my word, if you believe in Jesus and you believe in who Jesus is through the word of God, you'll know his truth. And that, that word truth can be flipped for the word reality. You'll know his reality and his reality will set you free. So what are you being set free from? You're being set free from your idealistic cultural worldview of this world to see from a different perspective, from a spiritual understanding that the Christ in you is your hope. The Christ in you is, is what moves you forward to know your purposes and to walk in your destiny. I believe that God wants to show you each each one of you that hear this video that God is for you. He's not against you. He actually wants to he actually wants to encourage you to step out of what you think is your reality and into the reality of Christ Jesus. That He becomes your nature. He becomes the thing you abide in. He becomes the thing that you put your hope, faith, and trust into, and that you no longer have to try to produce things in your life. You don't have to try not to sin. And I want to say this. Guess what? I want, to, I want to take this pressure off of you. Here's, here's a big thing that, that people don't realize. Check this out. You don't have to sin. <laughs> and I know that that's kind of a weird thing to say, but you don't have to sin. You don't have to fall in the trap. You don't have to fall into it. If you wake up in the morning and you know that you are made in the image of God and you are made for Christ Jesus, why do you have to sin? You don't have to. If you wake up in the morning and you know that your life is in Christ Jesus and and everything that is in this world that's not of God is a complete lie, why would you even believe it? Why would you even take it on as your reality? See, you can't kill me. I'll never die. Why? Because I am one with Jesus Christ. I wake up every day believing that I'm I'm one with Jesus. I don't try not to fail. I don't try not to sin. I just love Jesus. And when sin comes, temptation comes, I say you have no place in this house. This house is a, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I live as a sacrificed life unto Jesus. And I give all my desires and wants over to Him. I want to bless you today. I want to bless you. I want you to hear that God loves you. I want you to hear that you're valuable, that God paid the highest price for the thing that he values the most, and that is you. Take your finger, point it straight at yourself, and say, that's me. That's me. Jesus loves me. He laid his life down for me, and my life is not my own, but it's his. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and delivers himself up for me. God loves you. I want to speak that over to you guys today, that you are made in His image, you're made perfectly, wonderfully made in His image. Father, right now, I just bless each person that's listening to this video or listening to this podcast, God. I ask right now that you just let them know their worth in you, that your worth, that their worth is in the blood of Jesus. Their worth is in the ransom that was paid for them. Father, I bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you listen to the rest of the podcast. Please share this, like like this uh, podcast, share it with your friends. Let's, let's teach people who they are in Jesus Christ. All right, God bless you guys. I'll speak to you soon.
back again. Now I'm at episode two on Christ-centered identity. This lesson is titled Loss of Intimacy and Identity Through Sin's False Narrative. So many of us have a narrative in our life that we've built up in our in ourselves based on our life experiences, based on what we've been through. And God is trying to show us a different narrative through His grace and mercy, through His Son, Jesus Christ, going to the cross and now being our new identity in Christ Jesus. So come along with me on this journey and we'll go and we'll see what we can figure out and find out what the Word of God says about who we are and what we are to believe about ourselves over what the world would say that we should believe. See, Satan wants us to identify more with our sin than our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's create a new narrative. Let's create a new narrative about who we are in Christ Jesus. Now let's figure out what does God say about me? What does God say about my identity? What does God say about my life? What does God say about me as a person? What does God say about how I should live my life, who I am as an individual, what I should think? See, here's the thing, we gave up our life to follow Jesus. And when we give up your when you give up your life, you give up your rights to your opinions and your thoughts on your own. And now you are co-union with Christ Jesus in both death, burial, and resurrection that he has provided for us in new life in, in, in him. That is a born-again nature that God has provided. See, we don't have a sin problem. We have an identity problem. We don't have, an, we don't have a sin problem. Let's say that again. We don't have a sin problem. We have an identity problem. See, sin is a symptom of an underlying issue in your heart. And God wants to show us, show you, show me, who we are in Him so that we can live this life out in a way that produces a, a greater understanding of what God says about us, more openness to what God says to who we are, that we don't just automatically define ourselves based on what we see. We define ourselves based on what God says. You see, fathers give identity, they protect and they provide. And so when God is speaking over us as His children, He's giving us our identity and who we are in Christ Jesus. So as before, we started from the, the foundations of of the creation of man and and and, and women, women on the earth that God formed us in His image and His likeness, and and He breathed His life into us, and then when He breathed His life into us, that made us like Him. And I want to challenge you that in this in this 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 this, this teaching because sometimes we we focus more on our faults and failures than we do the created value that God has placed in us. See, identity was challenged from the beginning. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, 26, it says, Let us make mankind in our likeness and our image. And and gave and God gave authority over to every created thing on the earth. So God gave his authority to the creation that he made. And he were made in, they said, let us make mankind in our likeness and our image. And then, and then Genesis chapter 2, verses, verse 7, it says, God formed a man from the dust of the earth and beneath and breathed life into his nostrils. See, God formed us in his likeness, his image, then he breathed his life into us. And so so there's this communion that went on. When that, when that scripture talks about God breathing into us, that is a face-to-face encounter. It is like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. God is breathing life into you. It is, it is intimate. It is deep. It, it means a lot that God would do that for us. And so since God breathed his life into us, you could be thankful for every breath as your created value made in the image of God. So here's the thing. When Satan came to Eve, he, he said a, a very specific phrase. 
this is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Satan said that God doesn't want, Satan is talking to Eve, the serpent's talking to Eve. He said, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit because he doesn't want your eyes to be open and you will be like him. Well, if you rewind back to the first chapter, uh, verse 26, it says, let us make mankind in our likeness and our image. So here's the thing. She was already made in the likeness of God. And Satan was trying to convince her outside of her identity that she needed something greater to enhance who she was. And she fell for it. She fell for it. She ate the fruit. The fruit, then she, then she gave the fruit to Adam. Adam ate the fruit. And then there birth is birth sin in the world. And here's the thing. God had a plan from the beginning through his son, Jesus Christ, that he was going to make this wrong thing right. That he was going to give us an opportunity to choose him over a sinful life. He was going to give us a new identity in him to choose Christ, to choose a life in Jesus Christ, to choose life in the oneness of God that we can walk in. And that is through Jesus. And here's this, here's the proof right here. In Genesis chapter 3, verse uh, chapter 3, verse 15, it says, God made Satan, or God made Satan an enemy to man. And that and that man, I'm sorry, let me, I'm going to go back. You see, he's saying this, God made, God made Satan an enemy to man, and that from man will come that Satan will bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. What's he saying? He's saying this, that he, that God is, is, is creating an environment where, where, where Satan's going to bruise Jesus's heel. It's a bruise comparatively to the finished work of Christ and our new identity in Christ Jesus that was formed in us and through us and, and making us the people of God that we're called to be. And, I, you know, there's, this is amazing. I'm gonna, I want to even share this as well. In Genesis chapter 5, it, there's a lineage of names. And then in this lineage of names, it starts from Adam and ends at Noah. And this is just saying, like, this is God's plan from the beginning. And I want to, I want to, so in the Bible, there's names, and these names have meanings. And so I'm going to go through a lineage of names. This is father, son, father, son. And so Adam had a son named Seth, right? Seth had a son named Enosh. So I'm going to continue on that down the line, but I'm going to give you the Hebrew meaning of the names. And these names are going to spell out the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it says this, and Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Kenan means sorrow. Mahalalel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lemech means despairing. And Noah means rest or comfort. Now, if you put the definitions of those names together, it says this. Man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Man is appointed mortal sorrow. But the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. Now, if you look at that, it's saying this, that we're appointed mortal sorrow. That mortal sorrow is sin. That mortal, that mortal sorrow is the things that we've had to deal with from day one, right? And we are born into this world. We're born into a, a sinful nature. And that's why we must be born again into Christ Jesus. And because we're born into Christ Jesus, we now know that that in that in that place of of, of sin in our life, we can get forgiveness through Christ Jesus. So that's the that's the the healing that God brings to our life, and that's the crushing of the head of the enemy 
the, the death blow that God sent to Satan and, and, and gave him over, gave Jesus over for us to have eternal life. See, eternal life is freedom from false identity because we are made new in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to give you another example in the New Testament of what it what was being questioned. See, in the garden, he, Satan was questioning Eve's identity. The fruit was the temptation. The identity was the issue. The fruit was the temptation. The identity was the issue. The bad fruit or good fruit. You got to look at your own life, right? The fruit of your life is the temptation or it is the or or you are walking in the identity of God and you're finding your source in him. And so in Matthew, Jesus was baptized and the heavens were open. The Holy Spirit descended like on him like a dove. And God spoke from heaven and saying this, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's in Matthew chapter three, verse 16 and 17. So Jesus, God is saying this, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now the very following chapter is where, where Jesus was, was led by the Holy Spirit after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. And this is in chapter 4 of Matthew. And this is verses 1 through 10. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was led to be tempted. See, Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. So we can't say that we can't really relate to Jesus because each one of us can say, I've been tempted. I know I have. And I, can, I, can, I can guarantee you that you have been tempted as well. So it says, Jesus was led into the, the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days or 40 nights, he was hungry. I, you know, sometimes when I miss a meal, I am hungry. <laughs> sometimes when I, you know, I miss, I go, I'll fast and, you know, I get hungry. And so he was fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. And it says he was hungry. He was at the end of himself. He was at the end of his flesh. His, his flesh was hungry, right? And so here's the thing. This is showing us a, a picture here. That, that our life sometimes not when we're not abiding in God and we are at our wits end, we are at the end of ourselves, that we can find ourselves doing things or conducting ourselves or believing things that are false comparatively comparatively to who God says we are. And I wanna I wanna go there. It says he was hungry. It says then when he was at that desperate point, it says this Then the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here's the thing, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Think about that. In John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was God, the word was with God. And then you move down to verse 14 and it says, and the word became flesh. Jesus is the word. But but even even more so than what I'm saying right now, I'll just let become real clear, I promise you. It says this, when Jesus was baptized, it says the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And it spoke from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then if you look at what Satan says, he says, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Here's the thing. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. Jesus is the stone of our faith. Not only that, when he was breaking the bread with the disciples, he said, take, eat of this. This is my body. You're becoming one with me when you eat this. Drink this wine, drink this, and it's my blood being spilt out as ransom for you. And so what is he saying? He's saying this, I am the bread. I am the rock. I have no need to make to do magic tricks for you, devil. I have nothing for you. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word, every word, the word is the bread. 
The word is Jesus. The bread is Jesus. It's all identity of Jesus Christ. Man is living by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, again, questioning his identity, then throw yourself down, for it is written, I will command, he will command angels concerning you, and they will lift you up into their hands. And this is Satan twisting scripture, twisting scripture, and your, your, your foot will not strike against the stone, right? No, it won't strike against the stone, but his foot will strike against your head and crush your head, Satan. So that's, this is, this again, he's trying to get Jesus to act outside of his nature his identity that God said about him. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor, all this. And I will give and I will give you all, all these things, he said to, to Jesus, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. For it is written, man, worship the Lord God and serve him only. Jesus overcame every temptation to become false self we now live in christ and walk out our god-given authority and our god-given identity through jesus christ see there are three different uh, uh types of sin in the world or lusts in the world that that grab us and try to tell us who we are and that's the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is your flesh, the fleshly desires. That is your eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul, the lamp, and the eyes, the lamp, and uh, uh, to the body. If the eye is filled with light, the whole body is filled with light. So, so that's the the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride, meaning I don't need God. I can do this on myself. See, we are all tempted, but temptation is not the sin. I am. I am not the temptation I have re I have resisted. I am the virtue I, I embrace. I am not the temptation I have resisted. I am the virtues I embrace. God is saying this, that if you embrace my truth, if you embrace me, if you embrace my word, you're not the temptation that you're being tempted by, but you're, you're the truth that you've embraced. See, in James, it describes temptation. It says, it says we are not tempted by God. We are... We are tempted by heart's desires. We, When desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin gives birth to death. Here's the thing. We are not tempted by God. We are tempted by what's already in our heart. And and sin is, in, is, is there, and we need God to eradicate that sin out of our heart through the blood of Jesus. See, and then if we take every thought captive to the mind of Christ, they have no, it has no room to fester. And none of the thoughts have any room to fester inside of you in, in our desires. You can find that in, in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 5, that, that when we take our thoughts captive to the mind of Christ and we put on that helmet of salvation, it actually protects our mind to think right. In Matthew chapter 16, uh, 16 verses 13 through 19, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Jesus said, What about you? What do you say? Who do you say I am? And, and, and Peter said, said this he, he answered and he said 
that, that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by the flesh, but by my, by my father in heaven. And I tell you that Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. So Jesus is saying this, Peter, you understand that I am the son of God, that I am Jesus, I am the Messiah, I am the one that is to come. And then uh, Jesus said this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What is God saying? I'm giving you my eternal perspective for now. The kingdom of heaven is near. We live out our born again nature on heaven as it is in earth, that God has given us the capability through Christ Jesus and through the identity that we walk in to no longer identify with our old sin, but only identify with heaven, that we have keys to bind and loose heaven-like nature on this earth where we sit. Why? Because we live in the nature that God has created for us and God has given to us and God is, is wanting us to experience on a daily basis. God wants us to know who we are in his son. And so in John chapter 17, verses two and three, it says, you, you have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son whom whom you have sent. So, so John is saying this, that God, you sent your son so that I can experience. God is an experience. It's not a thought. It's not a theory. It's not just a doctrine. It's not just a theology. But God is an experience of a new life, a new way of being, a new way of understanding, a new way of living. God is an experience um, as to who you are and who I am in Christ Jesus. That now because I have Christ Jesus, I have the ability to bind and loose things on this earth, bind the enemy up, bind myself to truth, loose the enemy off of me, loose myself from anything that's binding me up, loose myself from anything that's ensnaring me so that I can walk out the call that God has for me. And you can walk out the call that God has for you. That now each one of us in Christ Jesus have this newfound freedom of walking in the spirit and not in the flesh that God himself wants to show us who we are and we want to look from God's perspective. See, we don't have a sin problem. We have an identity problem. How do you see yourself? What do you see inside your life? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. When you are walking with God, what really invigorates you? When you are walking with God, what really just gets you, gets you going? For me, it's when I'm encouraging people. When I'm encouraging people, I feel like I'm living out my X factor in life. When I'm encouraging people, it feels like, it feels like I am, I am, am constantly like, like, like so excited to, uh, to do what God, I'm so like jacked and excited when I see people encouraged. And then when I, when I'm discipling people and I see them walking out what God has for them to walk out, I am so encouraged by that. Now, my mission statement is, is simple. It's to ignite the hearts of people to go after the heart of God, to ignite the hearts of people to go after the heart of God. Now I want to give you a little bit of homework. Maybe you'll do this. Maybe you won't write your own mission statement, write your own mission statement. 
to, to give you a further identity in what you are and who you are and your purpose as to why you're here and what you're doing on this planet, right? My mission statement is to ignite hearts to go after the heart of God and to encourage people to love Jesus more. And I want to give you that challenge. Write your own personal mission statement on who you are, what you are. It's a sentence. It's not a paragraph. Ignite the hearts of people to go after the heart of God. It's very simple, concise. It, it, it means a lot to me. And sometimes I have to explain it. And sometimes I don't. But my heart is to be an encouragement to you, encouragement to the body of Christ. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I believe that God is doing amazing things. I believe if you see yourself rightly, you will behave rightly. You will really love Jesus in a, in a way that's not based on your behavior, but based on your heart condition for Jesus. So I bless you with this word. I'm going to pray over you really quick. Father, right now, I thank you for each person that's listened to this podcast. I bless their hearts. I bless their minds. I bless their souls and encourage their spirits to tune in to you even more because they're a spirit who has a soul and lives in a body. But they feed their spirit over everything else. I bless you guys in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining me on episode two of Christ-Centered Identity. Y'all have a great day. Go ahead and subscribe to this this, uh, channel and uh, send me a message. I love to hear from you. Awesome. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining my podcast today, Christ-Centered Identity. I really want to go through lesson three on how to understand your your identity in Christ and who you are in Christ Jesus, what it means to walk out your faith in Christ, what it means to be a new creation in Christ Jesus, born again nature, that God has made you brand new in Him. Um, I'm so excited about what God is doing in our lives, in our in our everyday lives. You know, it's crazy because we tend to think of God as something that is far off, far away, not attainable. But Christ Jesus wants us to know that he's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. That the only one that was for actually forsaken was Christ Jesus on this cross. Jesus said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But Jesus has never forsaken us and God has never forsaken us. He only forsook his son on our behalf so that we can have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. And so I want to make this clear that we are brand new creations in Christ Jesus, that we are made brand new in Him. There's nothing that that we can do that can take away the love of God from us. There's no height, nor depth, nor width, nor nor any anything, nor, nor angel, nor demon. Nothing can take away the love of God. The only thing that happens is this, is we choose not to love Jesus, but He always loves us. Now, obviously, the day of judgment comes, and then we have to deal with that when it gets here. But right now, our whole life, we're on a trial. And this trial is take up your cross daily, follow Jesus. And die to yourself, take up your cross, follow Jesus. And I want to encourage you guys. Jesus wants a relationship with you that causes you to follow him. So lesson three is regaining regaining of identity through Jesus. And it's amazing how we sometimes feel like we have to do all of this on our own, which I believe is the biggest lie, deception of the enemy, is that we have to fight this fight of faith on our own. When God gives us Holy Spirit, I want to say it, the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to lead us into all wisdom and truth, into what God says 
we are and what we can have in Christ Jesus. So there is something to be said about dying to yourself uh, in Christ. And this dying to yourself is what would be considered sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Meaning I am letting my life lay down to share in the sufferings of Christ. Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy of Jesus, Isaiah 53, 3 through 12, it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, he was held in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. And it says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I'm going to continue reading. It says this, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us have turned to our own way and the Lord's Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. A sheep before the shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for trend for the transgression of my people he was punished he was assigned a grave with a with the wicked he uh, and with the rich his death and with the, with the rich in his death through though he sorry I'm, I'm, I'm trying to read here though he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and through the Lord through the Lord make his life an offering for sin man I feel the Holy Spirit he will, oh man he will see his offering and prolong his days and will and the will of the Lord will will prosper in his hand after he has suffered he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge, my righteous servants will justify, my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered that with transgressors and with the transgressors for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. My friends, we are the transgressors. We are the ones that have the sin in our life that are waiting for a Savior. And that Savior's name is Jesus Christ. That Savior's name was Jesus Christ. Now, I want to explain something here. In, in verse 5 of Isaiah 53, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. In our afflictions of our flesh, our emotional, our soul, can we can share in the sufferings of Christ. 
what am I saying? I'm saying what Jesus bore on his body was the sufferings that we face now in, in this time, in this age. Emotional distress, physical distress, being a victim of circumstances, of people doing things to you you don't deserve. I'm talking about what you go through right now, the emotional distress that you go through in life and what you face on a daily basis what you face through life, through through trials and tribulations and things that we count in all joy that we go through, we do it with Christ Jesus. See, we choose to be a victim of our circumstance or we can find closeness through Christ Jesus in what we are going through. We can say, Jesus, come into my pain. Jesus, come into my situation. Jesus, show me your nature in this in this thing I'm facing. I don't want to be a victim of Satan. I want to be a victor of Christ Jesus living through my life. What can I join my heart to? Yes, this happened to me. Yes, it was wrong. Yes, I'm going through this. Yes, it's not fun. But Jesus, I thank you that you are my comforter through the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you give me wisdom in the time that I have need of. See, our commissioning comes out of our persecution and dying to ourselves, we take on a sacrificed life in Christ to fulfill the life of God he has given us. See, Jesus commissioned the disciples in, cha- in John chapter 20, in John, in John chapter 20, 19 through 23. It says the apostles commissioned. It says this, they, then the same day a e- at evening uh, begin the first day of the week. When the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for for the for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, "Peace be on you." When he had said this, he showed them the the the, the wounds in his hands and his side. The disciples were glad they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, "Peace be on you. The Father has sent me, so I also send you." And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, "Receive." Holy Spirit, receive Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the the Spirit or the person of Jesus. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven, forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What am I saying? I'm saying this. Jesus joined himself to us. Filled us with the Holy Spirit, the same breath that was breathed into Adam when God formed man in his likeness and his image and breathed life into a mouth-to-mouth Holy Ghost resuscitation into Adam's face. He breathed the life of God into him. When Jesus renewed us on the cross through through the cross and breathed life into us, he gives us the ability now to to pray for people to be forgiven, to pray for people's lives to be to be set free from the bondage of sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. You friends, I'm telling you right now that God has set us free to set others free. God has given you freedom to show people freedom. See, in the, there's a way that seems right to a man. Proverbs 16:25. There's a way that seems right. But in the end leads to death. See, there is a wisdom of man that seems normal that we can do all or some things on our own without God. We cannot see ourselves rightly until we live as a face-to-face life looking and beholding Jesus Christ. 
in a holy surrender to God. Friends, I'm telling you right now that if you want to see your identity, just like it says in James, it says a man that hears the word but doesn't do the word is like a person that sees the reflection turns and forgets what they look like i'm telling you that when you look at jesus you look at the word you your life is to reflect the word of god and this is the identity that we walk in we our lives are laid down into christ jesus the word that became flesh john chapter 1 verse 14 the word that became flesh we now with unveiled faces behold the beauty of jesus as reflections in a mirror uh for going from one glory to to another glory second corinthians 3 chapter chapter 3 verse 18 god is wanting us to behold his beauty and see our reflection in christ jesus and know that we are now in him <coughs> excuse me blessings on you so in colossians chapter 3 verse 1 through 4 it says i since then you have been raised with christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now, check this out, hidden, hidden, hiding, no longer visible, hidden in Christ Jesus. When Christ, who, when Christ, who is our, your life, appears, then you also will appear. What does it say? Those that find their life lose it, but those that lose their life for Christ's sake, find it. What are we finding? We're finding our new identity in Christ Jesus. Friends, I'm telling you that we put Jesus Christ on and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Romans chapter th 13, verse 14. I'm telling you guys, if you want to find yourself in, in life, if you want to understand who you are in Christ Jesus, you must hide yourself in the cleft of the rock. You must hide yourself in Christ Jesus. You must lay your life down, showing people the goodness of God. God wants to manifest himself through your life, through your newfound identity in Christ Jesus. And he can only do that through a yielded, willing vessel. I want to ask you, where are you at right now? What's going on? Are you giving your whole heart to Jesus Christ? Are you literally saying, God, not my will, but your will? Are you literally saying, God, not my life, but it's your life? Are you literally saying, I don't take up my cross, I take up your cross, Jesus. And I, I put it on my back. The only mantle, the only success in my life is a cross. And when I put that cross on my back, I allow the working power of the Holy Spirit to work through this yielded vessel. It's no longer I who live, Galatians 2.20. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Friends, I'm telling you right now that a yielded life to God is a, a submitted life to God creates a, a servant's heart inside of you to move you to do the things that the Holy Spirit is wanting you to do. When you go to pray for somebody, you're not scared about what they think about you. You just want to be obedient to the commissioning of God. And I'm telling you right now, God is calling you to step out and step into him and show people the goodness of God wherever you're at, whether you're at work, whether you're in the mall, 
whether you're in the, the grocery store, whether you're at church, don't get stuck in mentality of church. Get stuck that you are the church and wherever you go, there the church is. I'm telling you right now, you are a move of God. I'm telling you right now, revival is upon you. When you understand the will of the Father is to be manifest through his disciples and through you. So I'm praying right now, Father, I thank you right now for every person that listened to this podcast this morning, Lord. Lord, I just shared the gospel of understanding who we are in you and understanding that our life is laid down in you. Father, I thank you for the move of God that's happening right now on all the earth, Father. I pray that we re- we learn to regain our identity through Jesus that we learn to regain who we truly are, the, the what we're truly made in the image of through Christ Jesus. Well, Father, I bless each person today. I ask that you, you, you use their life in mighty, powerful ways. And friends, I'm asking you right now, go ahead and subscribe to this channel, Christ-Centered Identity. Share it with your friends. Subscribe to this channel. Uh, uh, post it to any one of your social media platforms. God wants to use these words that I'm speaking right now to set people free, not to pr- pr- promote me, but to promote Jesus and the identity of Christ Jesus in other people's lives. So friends, I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I bless you. I bless your families. I bless the people around you. And I ask right now in Jesus name that he would be made famous through your life. God bless you. I'll speak to you guys soon. Welcome to another episode of Christ-Centered Identity. We're continuing our series on discipleship training and identity. It's so important to know who you are in Christ Jesus. I can't stress that enough because I like I live my life so long not really understanding what it is to be a Christian. I just, you know, I kind of knew about Christ. I kind of knew what my parents taught me and I kind of knew like going to church was a good thing. I kind of knew uh, you know, praying and worshiping. And I had always had a passion for God, but, you know, I couldn't quite get rid of certain sins in my life. I couldn't quite get rid of certain, like, vices that I had. I, I was addicted to things. I mean, all these different things that was going on in my life. But it was when I started to understand that walking in the power of the Holy Spirit in unity with the Spirit of God in intimacy and closeness to God was that's that's the secret that's the the secret sauce that is where you find how uh, close God is to you and it's no longer you living your life trying to white knuckle grip make yourself a better person but you're just yielding your heart your mind and your soul to Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit is now giving you the tools you need through the love and devotion he has for you showing you your purpose in walking with him so lesson four is called walking in the power of Holy Spirit Union walking in the power of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Holy Spirit Union it is, it is he is the power he is the dunamis he is the dynamite the power of working on the inside of us to show us to quicken our bodies to go after who God says we are and what God says we can have so in Psalms chapter 16 verses uh, 7 and 8 it says the way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more wow 
That, that's just such a humble phrase right there. The way you counsel and correct me makes you, me praise you all the more. That's basically saying, God, thank you for keeping me from trouble. Thank you for keeping me from myself. Thank you for keeping me from failure. Thank you for keeping me. It makes me praise you all the more to know that you counsel me, you teach me, and you correct my thoughts, correct my thinking, correct my heart. And it says this, for your, for your whispers in the night, give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. This is somebody that's yielded to the Holy Spirit. This is somebody that's yielded to God in every way, in the way that he counsels, in the way that he corrects, in the way that he whispers to our hearts to, to do what he asks us to do and, and, to, and to walk out what God's called us to walk out. Verse 8, and out of Psalm 16, verses 7 and 8. This is verse 8. It says, Because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken, for I experience your wrap-around presence every moment. I don't know about you, but experiencing the presence of God is everything to me. I feel like the presence of God is my home. I feel like the presence of God is where my heart just melts in his, in his hands, melts in, his, in awe and wonder of who God is and what God says and what God is doing in and through my life. I'm telling you right now that God wants us to see who we are in Him. And we can only see who we are in Him when we're looking at Him. But when we're looking at our problems and looking at our situations, we make those things more vast and more big. And then who are we worshiping in that moment? It's not God. It's our problems. And I want to encourage you today, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this podcast, that God wants to, he wants to, wants you to experiencing, experience him with his wrap around presence every moment. That it's a, it's a daily 24-7 encounter with Christ Jesus. That you don't just experience God on Sundays, but you experience God 24-7. That you wake up knowing that you're Christ Jesus. You go to bed knowing that God is with you. You walk through your day with meeting with people at work, in the mall, and, and wherever you're at. You're just shining the glory of God on you. is is shining through your face. That people see that you are, you are an unveiled face beholding the beauty and the image of Christ Jesus. In Psalms uh, 16, 8, it says, in, in, in the New King James, it says this, I have, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at the right hand and I shall not be moved. I set the Lord. So what's before you? What's before you? What are you looking at? What's in front of you? Is what's in front of you, is that your problems, your situations, your frustrations, the things you go through in life? Is that bigger than God? Or do you set God before you because you know, or is it, or is it the Lord Jesus Christ before you because you know that he is seated, seated at the right hand of the Father? Because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. See, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and, and he is also next to us that we shall not be moved because we are connected to the wraparound presence in every moment of our life. In Exodus 33, verses 13 through 19, it says this, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. See, Moses was pleading with, with, with God, saying, Teach me your ways so that I could be connected to you and I could, I could walk with you, I could hear your voice, I could do what you ask me to do. And... And, and remember, God, this is your people. This is this is who you're bringing out of slavery. And it says, the Lord replied, my, my presence 
will go with you and I will give you rest. How many of you guys are not in rest? How many of you find yourself just not in a place of being able to find yourself in a place of rest? A place of just just in God's presence and not not that you're not thinking about things that are wrong, but you're at peace even though things are wrong, even though things are failing, even though the world is crumbling around you. We acknowledge that the fact that the life is not that great at some times and some points. We acknowledge that we don't run and hide from it, but we uh, abide in Christ Jesus and we just put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We put our faith and trust in the Holy Spirit. So he says this, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God's presence is with us to give us rest. God's presence is with us to give us rest. What is another name for the Holy Spirit? Comforter. God's presence is with us to give us comfort, to give us rest. Then Moses said, even if you're going through the hardest things, when Christ was going to the cross, he said, even so, he leaned in. He said, I don't want to do this, God, Father. But even so, he leaned in. He said, even so, I'll do as you ask. What was he doing in that moment? It was hard. He didn't want to do it. But even so, Father, I'll lean in and I'll do as you ask. So sometimes it doesn't look like, oh, uh, rainbows and puppy dogs and, and cookie, co- cotton candy and cookies, but it's it's leaning into the things that are difficult, but you're leaning into it with Christ Jesus. See, he's our forever help. He's our forever help. We're joining in the sufferings of Christ Jesus when we're going through something hard and we bring Jesus into the hardship that we're going through. Ah, it's not about running from your problems, but it's about running to Jesus and, and enveloping his wraparound presence in your life and saying, God, not my will, but your will. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send me from here. See, I, 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 don't, I don't want to face a problem without God's presence. I don't want to go where God's presence is not taking me. If I'm faced with an issue or a situation in life, I want to be faced with that situation with my, my life, my face about faced to God. My life and my, my heart posture is about faced to the presence of God. So it says this, continue on in verse 16, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with and please with me and with your people unless you go with us what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people that we face in earth and the lord said to moses i will do everything that you've asked because i am pleased with you and i know you by name he knows Moses by name. He knows you by name. I want to hit you to hear that God knows you by name. You're not alone. You're not. A, you're not a, just a nobody. God knows you by name, and he and he he will he sees you in your hardest, deepest, uh, most destructive behavior and what you're going through. God sees you. He wants you to know that he sees you. And even though it may be hard, may be difficult, may be facing hardship, I want to teach you a new reality, and that reality is our identity is in Christ Jesus and nothing else. If you're identifying with things of this world and you're finding yourself in a broken nature and it has nothing for you, that everything that you need is through Christ Jesus. It says this, then Moses said, now show me your glory. Show me your glory. Father, show me your glory. I want to see your presence, your power, your authority. I want to know who you are. I want to see God for myself. And it says this, And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, the Lord in your, the, uh, the Lord in your presence. 
Did you hear that? God's name is a Lord in your presence. <laughs> God's name is a Lord in your presence. In right where you're sitting, God's name is written on you in his presence. All you have to do is turn your heart's affections and your in your intense uh, looking at the things that you're facing in your life and stop trying to bullhead yourself through them, but look at Jesus and find your ever-present help in him. I will have mercy on on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. See, God's compassion is his presence in our present, our presence. It's him, his divine nature connected to us, his divine nature showing us that in our perfect connectedness through Christ Jesus, that we see ourselves in a way that we never could see ourselves before because we know that our help is not in ourselves, but our help and our, and our way through life is in our connectedness to Christ Jesus. In John 15, I love this chapter, verses 1 through 8, it says, I am the true sprouting vine, and the, and the Father who tends the vine is my Father. And the farmer who tends my vine is the farmer, is the father. He cares for for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping them up. The fruitless branches will be pruned, will prune and we're pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So what is God doing when he's when he's pruning us? When he's snipping things off of us? He's snipping the things off of you to bear more fruit. To bear more love, to bear more joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says this, that he does it to yield a greater harvest. What is that greater harvest? That's the greater understanding of the nature of God working in and through you. And you see the fruit of the Spirit working through your life. When you when you understand that you're connected to the Father. And it says this, the, the word spoken... Um, the, the word spoken over you have already has already cleansed you. You must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For every branch severed from the vine will, will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruit, fruitless unless you live your life intimately. Hear that word, intimately joined to mine. That is, that as we're connected to God, I, it says this verse 5, I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, God is your source. The fruitfulness will stream from within you. The, did you, the, it streams from within you. It's in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's it's your image now seeing yourself rightly in, in true identity form of Christ being formed in you, in your heart, in your life. It's not doing Christian acts, Christian behaviors, trying to modify your life. It's about submitting your heart, connected to God, connected to the Holy Spirit, God yielding to Him and to His process of, of, of whenever it's hard, God, it's your will, it's your will, I give it to you. And not my will, but your will, God. It's, it's that same uh, uh, way that Jesus lived his his life but when you live separated from me you're powerless see when you're facing your issues in life and you're trying to walk out this this thing called life if you're living separated from God you are powerless and you have no authority to walk in because it's you're walking in your authority and not his 
If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such, such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my word it lives powerfully within you. His word. His word. Who is his word? John chapter 1 verse 14. His word made flesh. The word Jesus lives powerfully within you. Jesus is the word. The word of is Jesus and it lives powerfully within you. Then you can ask whatever you desire. So you can only ask what you desire when you're connected to the Father and he's working in you. He's changing and transforming your heart. And whatever you desire, what are you desiring now that you're connected to Jesus? Are you desiring the, the, the fleshly things? Are you desiring what the world wants? Or are you, is your heart now being transformed, changed, desiring the things of God? When, you're, when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are mature disciples who glorify the Father. See, Jesus gave his will up to the Father. Then, when he was before Pilate, he said, you don't have to take my life. I give it to you freely. And this is amazing. It says this in John uh, chapter 18, verses 37 and 39, 37, 38, 39. It says, you are a king then said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? reported Pilate. That's that's a big one. What is truth? <laughs> oh Jesus, I just feel the Holy Spirit working right now. What is truth? There's so many truths out there. There's so many philosophies. There's so many world ideas. But what is truth? See, Pilate was looking for truth in the moment. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Just, I, I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself. With this, he, he went out again to the Jews and gathered there and said, I find no bias for a char- or basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at this time of Passover. Dude... Do you want me to release? Uh, do you want me to release the King of the Jews? See, here's the thing: Pilate had truth right in front of him, and still chose the popular cultural opinion around him. See, see, Pilate had truth. He said, "What is truth? The truth is that sets you free. The truth that sets you free. It is the Word of God." It is Christ Jesus, the Word made flesh. If you believe in me, you believe in my Word, you'll know my truth, and my truth will set you free. Our truth is in Christ Jesus. Pilate had truth standing right in front of him, and all he could think about and all he could try to appease was popular cultural opinion. And he took the he took the, the road of, of, of crucifying Christ because that was the popular cultural opinion of the day. See, put Christ forever in front of you and you will experience the rest of God, the gospel, in your submission to the one who defends us from our enemies. God will provide his wraparound presence every moment. See, the thing is, is we're not called to defend ourselves. Jesus never once defended himself. 
Our defense is in Christ Jesus. Our defense is in the blood of Christ. Our defense is in the ransom that was paid on the cross. Our defense is in that what was lost in the garden is now made whole through Christ Jesus. Our defense is now Jesus. Our our hope is now in Jesus. Our vision is now in Jesus. Our purpose in life is to shine and to be one with Christ Jesus, living a life, faith-filled hope in Christ Jesus, and not trying to find ourselves in the opinions of cultural uh, things going on around us, but finding ourselves in the opinion of God and the nature that God created us and then seeing culture and seeing things that we have to deal with in life through the lens of God working in and through us and through the human value of what God created in in his image seeing people as in the image of God and not seeing them less than or more than but seeing them made perfectly wonderfully in the image of God and putting our hope, faith and trust in Jesus Christ and laying it all down in him You guys, this is Discipleship Training 101. This is just getting to know who we are in Christ Jesus and knowing that when we face hardships, that Christ is with us. When we face things that are rough in life, God is with us. He wants to show us our value. He shows us our value through us devoting and and submitting our heart to Him. Allowing Christ Jesus to be our reality by saying, Yes, Jesus, you're mine. I am no longer mine, but you're mine. I live my life submitted to you, Jesus Christ. I know my life is no longer mine, it's yours. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me to live in oneness with him. That he valued my life so much that he gave his life so that I can have value and see who I am in Christ Jesus. I don't have to find my identity in anything else besides him. You guys, I want to bless you with this. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for each person listening to this podcast right now in Jesus' name that you set them free from themselves and they see their value in Christ Jesus. And They don't try to make themselves better, do better, or be better, Lord, that they find themselves in Christ Jesus, in the abiding nature of Christ, working in and through their life. God, I bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Guys, I thank you for joining me on Christ-centered identity. It's so important that we understand who we are in Christ so that we can walk out and shine the beautiful nature of Jesus in and through our lives, allowing Holy Spirit to work in us so the fruits of fruits of the Spirit are apparent in our life. And you're not trying to force feed people fruit. They're just picking from the, the tree of your life and seeing the goodness of God working in and through you. I bless you guys. You guys have a wonderful day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Christ-Centered Identity. We're going through our discipleship training in identity. This is lesson five of our training. Uh, please enjoy. You know, I really enjoy talking about what, what God has done in and through our life and and it's for every believer to know who they are in Christ Jesus that it's no longer you who live but it's Christ who lives in you and it's important to understand this because when you make decisions in life when you look at life when you do things in life when you're functioning on your day-to-day life in this place we call the world we understand that our identity is not in ourselves; it's not in the world but we find our true nature and our true identity in and through Christ Jesus 
And so lesson five, lesson five is the call of every believer. The call of every believer, and, it, and it's interesting to me that in the body of Christ, we, we kind of count ourselves out in a lot of ways because we don't want to or we don't feel comfortable with or it's, it's crisis for me personally, uh, so I'm kind of going through my own struggle. Uh, you know, however you want to look at it, but the call of every believer is to multiply the nature of, of Christ Jesus, and that is through what we call the Great Commission. The Great Commission is, is found in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And But it's important to know that as you go, you go in the love of God. And so we have the Great Commandment that fuels the Great Commission. We live from the secret place to the marketplace. Everything we do in our lives should flow from intimacy with Christ Jesus. That we're not trying to do evangelism. We're not trying to be something we're not. We're not trying to fake something. We are moved with compassion in our heart because Christ lives in us and we want to put him on display in every place we go because he is now our lives in Galatians 2:20, it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me I don't live anymore I died to myself and I'm now alive in Christ Jesus and I shine Jesus wherever I go because that is the objective of every Christian it's a multiply Christ Jesus so the Great Commission it says this then the 11 disciples went to Galilee is in Matthew chapter 28, uh, uh, verses 16 through 20. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some but some doubted. How many of you guys have ever doubted God, doubted Jesus, doubted what he, he did for you? It's, it's, it's normal human behavior to doubt, but we have to live by faith. So then Jesus came to him and said, All authority in heaven has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. See, now Jesus is saying this, I am I, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now all the authority on the earth has been given to me. I'm sending you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. God is with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with you through the power work through the working power of the Holy Spirit is with you until the end of the age. The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you, that he's always with you. And that when you go and you when you evangelize Jesus, it, it, you know the word evangelism is such an interesting word because we, we think that we have to have a microphone to evangelize. We think we have to we have a pulpit to evangelize. I want to tell you this. Your job is your pulpit. Uh, the grocery store is your pulpit. Anywhere you're at, because Christ lives in you, is your pulpit, is your opportunity. Wherever you have influence, you have the ability to, to preach the word of God. Not preached at people, but love them rightly. The nature of God working in and through you. So what is normal, ordinary evangelism? It is when you step out in faith and you take a risk. And, and, you're, and you're living in this tension where God has to come through, we come to a, a point where we're asking God to do these things that we're not capable of doing. So evangelism is this, is I'm on this earth, I'm struggling with culture, I'm struggling with do, do I live under the fear of man or do I live in obedience to the great commission of God to every believer And that obedience is me putting on display through my life lived, through how I speak, through how I talk, through how I show love, through how I demonstrate love, all these different ways that we do these things uh, for with God in us is is through a yielded heart 
to God working in through us and our, our actions show and shine Jesus. So this tension is this, is, is a dying to yourself. Like you're getting ready to speak to somebody about Jesus, but yet you're afraid to do so because you're like, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? How am I going to feel if they reject me? And, and, and the thing is, is, is they're actually not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Christ in you. And so, because you died to yourself, remember, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And because I live in the nature of, of, of my heart yielded to Jesus, now my life is lived through Jesus. And it says this in John 14, uh, 12, it says, I tell you this timeless truth, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles I do, and even greater than these, because I do them with my Father. Or because I go to be with my Father, and He's and Jesus was the demonstration of what it looks like to walk on this planet and demonstrate uh, miracle signs and wonders in complete connection and intimacy with the Father. See, Jesus is our example in every way, and He gives us the authority and He gives us the ability. Why? The Holy Spirit, the power of God working in through us. We don't have to count on ourselves; we count on Jesus. Just like when Moses was getting ready to go. To speak to Pharaoh, and he was he was afraid to do so, and he was afraid because he was insecure about how he spoke. He was insecure about his abilities. But God said, "Don't worry about what you can do. Watch what I can do. Don't worry about how how you can word it. Watch how I can word it. Don't worry about your power. My power is more powerful. So lean into God. Lean into Him, and yield to His presence when you're in the community and you're trying to shine Jesus." So Jesus said, we're going to do the same miracles he did and even greater. Why? Because he's with the Father making intercession on our behalf. I want to say this. Follow in faith plus believing in Jesus equals greater miracles. Following in faith plus believing in Jesus equals greater miracles. We follow by faith what Jesus did. And we follow by faith what Jesus did. The equation is and it equals to be greater miracles working in and through our life it's the power of the holy spirit working through us showing us what he can do through our mere lives as men and women on this planet we're just here to demonstrate who christ is through our life in acts chapter 4 it says this uh then um the no then know this you all are you and all people of israel it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. This is Peter. This is the first message that Peter gave. That who, the Jesus that you crucified, um, but whom God raised from the dead. That this man stands before you he, healed. Jesus is, Jesus is the stone who the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. The salvation is found in no one else. For there is no one other than the, na- than the name under the heaven given to mankind, which must be saved by. There is no other name that we can be saved by but the name of Jesus Christ. Where they saw, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that these were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, here's the thing. You don't have to be anything special. You don't have to be super intelligent. You don't have to have the, the greatest education, the, the, big, the greatest philosopher of anything Bible. All you have to do is know that you function and understand that you function under the power 
of the Holy Spirit. And I love it when it says this. It says, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? Have you gotten alone in the secret place when no one's looking and allowed the word of God to empower you, allowed the faith of God to be built up on the inside of you to go and do from the secret place to the marketplace? What have you been putting in your heart when you're alone? What have you been putting in your soul when no one's around? Have you been putting and filling your life with the attributes of Jesus and saying, God, be my everything? And in the moments where things look rough, that you completely, totally dive on into the presence of God, knowing that Jesus is your everything? Have you been with Jesus? Have you been in his presence? Have you have you just been close to him? intimate in it in a place of worship with him not trying to do it in front of people for their accolades but seeking him in the secret place and understanding that he is your help he is your everything devoting your heart and life to him it's in acts chapter 4 verses 16 through 20 it says we are going to do these uh, we are going to do with these men well they're asking everyone living in jerusalem knows that they performed notable signs and we can, cannot deny it. See, these the, the, the disciples were right before the, the, um, the courts. And they're saying, we can't deny that these guys have done these crazy miracles. But, but to stop this thing from spreading, spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to no longer speak to anyone in this name. Well, whose name? Whose name? Then they called them in again. So they're calling Peter back. Peter and John back and again, and they just healed the, the paralytic that was at the gate called Beautiful. And it says this, and they, they called them back in again and commanded them to not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to him or to you? To listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. What have you seen God do and what have you heard him do in and through your life or in other people's lives? God is a God of miracles. He is an experiential God. He wants to work in and through your life. See, what are people saying about you? Is it, is it man, that person is a person of faith. Did, did you see them pray for their friend and they got healed? Man, when they speak, do you feel the love in their voice? Have you looked at their eyes and see their love with Jesus? What do people say about you? Do they say, oh, he's always, he's always talking negative. He's always a bummer to be around. Or are they saying, oh my gosh, I get around this person and I completely feel the love of God. I feel encouraged by the words that they speak. I, I see the faith in what they say. I believe in the word of God working through them. I cannot believe what, what I'm experiencing when I'm next to this person. I can tell that they've been with Jesus. Are you just a humble person that's been with Jesus and the power of God is working through you? I want to encourage you. Spend time with him and he's going to show himself through you. And it says this in Acts chapter 4 verses 29 to 31. Now the Lord, now the Lord, uh, now Lord, consider their threats. This is Peter saying, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak the word with boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And they prayed the place and the place where they were was shaken, and they were filled all with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke with the word with great boldness. 
that the word of God was being spoken with great boldness. Why? Because they submitted. They said, we're your servants, God. We're your servants, and, and we want to speak with great boldness. I am under your authority. I'm not under my authority. And I want you to show your, your yourself through miracle signs and wonders and demonstration of who you are through this humble life that's yielded to your presence. And in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, it says, and, you, and as you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to the lepers and to those who are sick and to make it your habit to break off demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you, uh, you have received the power of the kingdom, so now freely give it to, and release it to others. God has given us a mandate to go and release His presence to others. To do what? To heal the sick. To break demonic presences off of people. To raise the dead. And that we've received the power of God. Now we are to release the power of God through our devotion and connection and humility to God working in and through our lives. See, our identity is no longer I who live, but the power of Christ working in and through us, walking and demonstrating the love of God wherever we go. I want to empower you today that you are no longer to live for yourself, but live for Jesus and watch the nature of God work in and through your life. I'm telling you, friends, that God wants to show and demonstrate himself through you. He wants to multiply his nature through your little life. It's, it's, we may not know, we may not be educated. We may not have all the tools. We may not have a pulpit. We may not have a microphone wherever we go, but we have Jesus and we have the power of the Holy Spirit and we have the ability to yield to his presence and say, God, not my will, but your will, not my ways, but your ways. I want to speak what you want to speak. I want to say what you want to say. I want to do what you want to say. When I see somebody walking with, in a, uh, with crutches or I see somebody in a wheelchair or I see somebody with a limp or I see somebody with a brace on their, their wrist or their elbow, I see somebody with a neck brace on, I see somebody that looks hurt like they're hurting and broken, Lord, soften my heart in humility to be moved with compassion to do what Jesus did and say they look like one that's like a sheep without a shepherd and they need the, the comforting of the Holy Spirit and, and the body of Christ now functions in a way where now you bring life to someone that's that's next to you because it's God working in and through your yes. Faith is spelt like this, R-I-S-K, take a risk. Go and do what God has asked you to do. Demonstrate God in every place that you live. It's not just in church. You're, you are the church. The church. The church is not a building. It's a people. And you are the church. Now go be, go be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever you go. From the secret place of intimacy and identity in Christ Jesus to the marketplace in demonstration and in power. I promise you that if you live your life like that, if you live your life in intimacy with God, you will show, you will, you will, it will show in how you walk, how you talk, how you behave, what you do, what you accept, what you believe, what you walk in. It's all in demonstration through the fruit of the Spirit working in and through and being demonstrated through your life. And then guess what? When people get next to you, they get to pick from the fruit, the fruit that God has, has, has demonstrated through who you are in Christ Jesus. Wow. I could tell that person's been with Jesus. Wow, I could tell you've been with God. Wow, I can tell, I can, see, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in how you demonstrate His love. I can feel His presence on you. Man, that's how I want people to receive me. That's how I want people to see my life. Not that I'm something special, but I've been with Him. I've been in His presence. I know His voice. 
I wait and listen for him to show me what to do next. God bless you. I want to speak that word over you guys. Thank you for going through all five lessons. I'm going to tell you that if you if you demonstrate these things in your life, if you walk these things out, if you submit your heart to God, he will show himself faithful in every circumstance. He may not show up on your time. He may not show up on my time, but he's always on time. God bless you. God loves you. He's with you. He'll never forsake you or leave you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that's listening to this podcast right now, that they hear your voice through this voice, that my voice is just is a yielded vessel to you, God. And I pray right now that they see the identity that they are created in, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, that they are called to demonstrate and multiply the nature of Jesus. I bless each one to go out and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the lepers, and go and make disciples. And love God and love people. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless you guys. I'll speak to you soon.